0: Your next game is going to be horrifically brilliant, and here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to how do we build up to an unforgettable mind flayer encounter? And what are some ideas for horror beats that we can spice things up for our players? And what are some magic items we can throw at them to help balance the scales against these otherworldly beings? Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Jordan. And
1: I'm his brother, Travis. So hopefully you're okay with the slight deviation that we took from talking about Mind Flares to talk to James Mendez Hodes. Yes. Sorry we threw you off track, off balance there. It's kind of a weird departure because that was actually a really interesting, enlightening, kind of lighter feeling episode as we got to make a new friend that is bookended by absolute tragic <laughs> horror. Like it's just horrifically disgusting kind of stuff.
0: I want to just go ahead and apologize to James Mendez-Hodes for putting him between two Mind Flayer episodes. <laughs> we did not discuss that with James, that he would be sandwiched by Mind Flayers. We just wanted to get that episode out as soon as we could because of that Avatar Kickstarter that we mentioned
1: which you should absolutely go and support if only to glean some of the brilliant ideas and mechanics and all kinds of really cool stuff that we talked about in that episode that they've dreamed up for that RPG. Like, I'm so excited to see that in action and to actually play it and get a sense of what they've done because it
0: sounds pretty amazing. Absolutely. And that's enough lightness. Now we get into the cosmic horror of mind flayers. Now, as we chatted
1: about in the last episode, We think that the key to getting into Mind Flayers is understanding their culture. So we did a whole culture episode about really how Mind Flayers think and what they value and what makes them tick so that we can really truly understand how to build towards something truly horrific
0: with Mind Flayers. And this one, we're going to focus extensively on the horror side of that equation. It's going to be filled with really uh, gruesome kind of stuff and ways to build up that tension and dread in your players. Just to give you an idea of the type of Mind Flayer horror we're going to be talking about, and as a way to, you know, fuel your own dark imaginations, inspire yourself with H.R. Giger's art, which, if you're not super familiar, is all of the design behind the Alien franchise. Oh, yeah, it's all biomechanical
1: and gross and slimy. Other inspirations that kind of jumped out at us for this episode are films like Hellraiser which is filled with masochistic surgeons and movies like The Cell in which Jennifer Lopez plays tourist inside of a serial killer.
0: Yeah she goes into his subconscious mind and it is terrible. It's a beautiful movie and it's absolutely
1: disturbing to a deep fundamental core. Like I was not the
0: same after seeing that movie all those years ago. Yeah you gotta be careful with this stuff honestly and truly like even just doing a little bit of research for this episode rattled me to the degree that i think it's going (laughs) to take me a couple days to get over yeah you gotta get a
1: palate cleanser you're just gonna have to go watch 24 hours of disney movies (laughs) yeah seriously that movie i saw in 2000 when it came out and i haven't seen it since but i remember every beat of that movie because it has stuck with me just as
0: this episode might stick with you (laughs) So beware. A couple of themes that we really like for the horror side of Mind Flayers 2 before we jump right in is that the Mind Flayer is in control at all times and the party continues on their adventure knowing that they're on the defensive. You never really want to give the players the feeling of being on top of things. Yeah, like they need to just constantly
1: be afraid of what's around the next corner. Yeah. And that's why planning out these beats is so important. Because if I were approaching a mind flare like any average monster, I'm probably going to miss this step. And now all of a sudden the players are going, yeah, we know exactly where the mind flare is. We're going to go get him." But that's not really exactly how we want this to go. We want it to feel like maybe they're being manipulated the entire time. Yeah,
0: they're not a monster you just throw in a cave and splot some brains against the walls and call it a day.
1: Well, let's not waste any time because we've got a lot to talk about in Lamashtu's breeding pit.
0: This is Lamashtu's breeding pit where the most vile and deadly of creatures are birthed and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. Alright, so we have to start with the recap of what the mind player is actually capable of so that we can create from there. So we've got 15 armor class. They're hittable. They're right in the middle. Yeah, you're going to hit most of the time if you're over, like, level 3. To me, this is why they're always trying to avoid physical combat. Like they're not going to come out swinging ever. No, and really they don't
1: have the physical imposition to really do that. Like mind flayers look like I did just after hitting puberty. Like they're kind of slimy. They're really gangly.
0: (laughs) They're super tall. (laughs) They don't have any muscle mass whatsoever. Yeah, you look at them and you assume that brains are the only thing they got going for them. Which was me as well. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Their hit points also help support that. They've got 71. A couple of rounds from a competent party can eat that up real quick. But where they do have it is in some of their skills. So they have a plus
1: seven to Arcana. They have a plus six to Deception, Insight, Perception, and Persuasion. Along with a pretty healthy plus four to Stealth. Yeah. So they've got it in the mind category
0: right and their saves they can resist pretty much anything you're throwing at them revolving around the mind they got a plus seven to intelligence plus six to wisdom plus six to charisma they are not falling prey to your mind affecting abilities and that really does leave a lot of physical
1: attacks For mind flares, for your party, the party is going to have to resort to out and out punching them. And the mind flayer knows that. It's no dummy. That's why it has a lot of long range spells and abilities like telepathy out to 120 feet. It can communicate and terrorize and mind fuck from a long
0: way away. And that's why this is one of the few monsters that their stat block does not contribute that much to their tactics. Their tactics are all before you reach what you can do to their stat block. Totally. But what else can they do? They can innately cast spells like detect thoughts and levitate at will. They can do things like hit you with a mind
1: blast of 22 psychic damage. And if they were to get to blows, like that's the worst thing for a party. And even worse for a solo adventurer that maybe has gotten split off from a party is that all they have to do is use their tentacle attack to grapple you. And then once grappled, they extract your brain like two turns and your brain is outside your body.
0: <laughs> yeah, not great. Keeping in mind that if you are a super high level character, they won't get your brain on the first go round. So that's again why they target weaklings, and they don't like to tangle toe-to-toe with a group of adventurers.
1: Now, I don't particularly love the basic stat block that's in the monster manual. What I do love is the Ulitharid from Volo's Guide to Monsters which adds a ton of other abilities, basically doubles all of their attacks. So if you do have a group of higher level adventurers, the Ulitharid is the one that you want to use.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I agree with you. The stat block just reflects what I think of when I think of the Mind Flayer. They are incredibly difficult to conquer. And it should be said that there is a lot of abilities. I think this has
1: been kind of a contentious monster because a lot of what you would assume their abilities are, are written in the stat block. That being said, as has been noted by numerous other folks in this similar kind of space, is that just because it's not written in the stat block doesn't mean that that's something that they can or can't do. We're dealing with a horrible, offensive, disgusting, alien tentacle monster, and to cover off abilities like the ability to create a thrall. The ability to create a thrall is not in the stat block as written it has dominate monster which is a temporary spell it's a concentration spell like it has a ton of limitations so how the hell do they create thralls well it says right within volo's guide that it takes an entire colony they borrow power from one another to completely dominate a creature's mind the reason i bring this up is because in combat the stat block is what you can do this is what an ulitharid or a Mind flare, or any variation can do on a turn in six seconds. If you are left alone with a Mind flare for more than six seconds, <laughs> you are screwed.
0: Things are not going to go well for you. No. <laughs> so yeah, Travis, what you're saying basically is beyond that six seconds, they can do any nasty thing you want them to do. Pretty much. It fits the flavor.
1: I mean, that's why I love Mind flares is that you can do a lot of otherworldly stuff because who knows what these creatures are able to do? They are an ancient, terrifying creature from beyond this realm of existence. Like, who the hell knows? Yeah. So have some fun with this thing. Whatever
0: wacky shit you come up with, plop it in. Yeah. Okay, so getting back on track a little bit here. The abilities that that Ulitharid do contribute to the stat block are creature sense, which gives them an awareness of any creature within two miles. We think this one's really important for mind flayers because A, it gives them everything they need to crush invaders into their space, and B, it just makes it so that you absolutely cannot sneak up on a mind flayer. That is not how this adventure is going to go down. It is not a stealth mission. They know you're coming. This really
1: contributes to that back foot kind of feeling that we want to try and give our players. They also have abilities like Psionic Hub, which helps them connect to the elder brain and allows the elder brain to talk to anyone within that strict vicinity. And then they have more mind control spells. They've got project image. The possibilities of project image, which, as a reminder, allows you to create a mirror image of yourself anywhere within a massive range. It is wild. That mind flayer can be anywhere at once and it can project an image of itself, and the players have. No idea.
0: That's good stuff. As soon as you actually think you've found them, you haven't. Yep. All right. So that's what they can do. Let's take a quick look at some of the ingredients that Travis and I really like and want to bring to the forefront when designing an adventure for Mind Flayers.
1: And it starts with that one that we
0: were just talking about, how Mind Flayers are always aware. Yeah. They want to break you completely before they need to face you. They want to split you off from the party if they can and find any way possible to mess with you.
1: They want to learn your weaknesses and fears with detect thoughts, which they can use from quite a range. Then they want to employ thralls to make them into reality before you reach them. So they've got a group or an army or however many thralls you need to get the job done. They will never be seen, but will always see you. That's their goal anyways. Now, this isn't just to lord over some DM stuff over players, but this is to really give that feeling of not being in control to our players. If you'll notice, most cosmic horror of any kind has this feeling of, I am insignificant. I am a small, tiny speck within a larger grand plan. And there is no hope for me to overcome this except for beating incredible odds.
0: I've got a quick idea to throw in the ring on this point. All right. So I think that their lair would have some way for the mind flayers to always be closer to the party than they would expect so that they can use all of their special spells and abilities. Okay. So I'm thinking a two-way mirror is basically every surface of their lair. It's kind of like a shiny, psychic, reflecting... Surface undulating, like it's not glass, it's like creepy cosmic horror stuff. Sure, I dig that. So, behind that, they could you know have tunnels that are
1: lining every tunnel. Well, little things about like impeding the progress of adventurers. Now, the mind flare has all of these psychic abilities that it can use, it can move things with its mind. Some of the designs of the mind flare ship from Baldur's Gate 3 are really cool, they're gross. Because it looks like every door is just a little sphincter that's opening.
0: <laughs> yep, that's nasty. Yep,
1: it's pretty gross. I wonder, why do they ever open for the adventurers? A fair point. Because the Mind flare has the ability to just gesture at things and cause them to open and close and move things with their mind. Therefore, would that not then be a necessary component of this lair? why wouldn't the adventurers have to like bash their way through a lot of stuff, making the most noise possible, keeping the mind flare aware of their movements. Yeah. And inhibiting them from following should
0: they need to. Yeah, that's a fair point. Maybe their thralls get access to the different areas automatically. But, you know, unless you're a current thrall, then you have to smash your way through every door. Yeah, I love that. Also, if they're not doing anything super elite like that, They're levitating around, which I think adds to anybody's stealth when you're not stepping. (laughs) Yes. And they've got that plus four to stealth. So at the very least, they're hiding in the shadows, messing with you that way from a distance. And if they're caught, they've always got plane shift to get them straight out of dodge. Oh, yeah. They can peace out whenever they want. Yeah. So the next bit is psychic pain. Yeah, this has always been kind of a tricky one for me to describe when it comes up in my games, but I think I found a new way to hit players with this. So physical pain is just the body sending signals to the brain, right? Yeah. So psychic pain in your games could be the inflictor of the pain, the mind flayer, sending those signals to your brain instead. So now you can describe any physical pain that's not really happening. I don't like where this is going. (laughs) Yeah, I don't either.
1: I don't want to go here, but I did. I promised my throughout this entire episode that i would control my glottis and my gag reflex (laughs) i don't think that that's going to be possible possible for me now
0: well just try not to get too nasty we're 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 going we're trying (laughs) so you know you go all the way from light things to popping your little toes off or Uh, no breaking your (laughs) kneecaps we're over my threshold (laughs) or you know breaking your ribs apart yeah well I, i think we get the picture okay Moving on. I think psychic pain could also send you into a quick mental prison where time is distorted. Ooh, I like
1: that. Because there is a certain level of drama to how long things have been. And a particularly powerful mind flare could put you in a prison of your own fears in your mind for what feels like 30 years. Yeah. While the party around you is just trying to shake you out of a five-second stupor. Exactly. That is terrifying. The kind of trauma that would come with something like that for a player within an instant.
0: And that's just a result of their basic abilities, like mind blast and, you know, grabbing onto you with their tentacles. I like that. Yeah. Or, you know, in that same vein, maybe it's the mind flayer giving you a quick glimpse of the far realm, which is one of those staring at it hurts kind of situations because it's so alien and human brains can't do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like looking at the sun. (laughs) Kind of, but not really.
1: More horrific than that, I guess. What, you don't see alien horrors every time you stare into the sun?
0: That's concerning. Well, shit. I think you need professional help. (laughs) The third and final part is high charisma. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on this because I don't see it addressed very often with Mind Flayers. Well, we touched on this a little bit in the last episode as well, that
1: these are incredibly charismatic if not alien so that charisma is maybe a little blunted (laughs) maybe a little bit off kilter yeah as to what normal humans might consider charismatic but they're very charismatic and how we can interpret that is pretty open
0: and it actually adds to the horror when you throw that charisma in Like, they might use this, in a sense, to try to get their thralls to be extremely pleasant at first, maybe even inviting. Why have a fight when you can just have your thralls lure adventurers in instead? I don't love this. (laughs) I do. Isn't it better than getting your guts pulled out, Travis? Well, yes, but the horror
1: possibilities here are tremendous. You know, the unsettling way that somebody is totally comfortable with this very uncomfortable place that they're in. Whether it's just being mind affected or actually standing within the lair of a mind flare and saying, I love it here. Ew. While they're surrounded by the worst of the worst. And I think it's worth trying to dial in on what being a thrall feels like. Now, I know that there's no explicit guidance on what being a thrall is like. I've searched through the books, there's not much there. But based on a few excerpts from other spells and abilities like this, we could summarize that this is an innocuous control until the mind flayer wishes something. So you have this, like, I would imagine it kind of like static in the back of your mind, until that mind flayer knows which channel you're on, dials in, and says, I would like you to do this. Ooh. Now, there's nothing to say that the person isn't completely in control of their own motor functions and thoughts and things like that. I mean, if you would consider from a mind flayer's perspective, trying to control 50 thralls with your brain all the time sounds like a taxing chore. True, but that's why they got those extra girthy nuggets on the back of their heads. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Fair enough. Those throb and all 50 do their bidding. Yeah. But I would imagine that this is a little bit more like being requested to do something by an incredibly charismatic person. And based on other spells that dominate your mind, we could probably infer that it requires a little bit of a persuasion, although obviously it's going to be pretty easy. This person's a thrall. So from the mind flare, other spells like this give a persuasion advantage. So really, this person's kind of sitting there. They've been told, guard this door. And now the mind flayer tunes in and says, I want you to go and do that. This person is still alive inside there, resisting, trying to do their best. They're probably uncomfortable with this, but for some reason, they're just compelled. They feel like they have to do it. And if I were running this adventure, I would probably still give the occasional thrall a moment's clarity that they fought against all of that imposing mental weight and manage to break through for a brief moment. Yeah, that's a good burst of horror. So I think there's a lot that we can do with that. Now, let's get into the actual horror steps. As a reminder, in case you're new to the podcast, we've got a three-part series on the horror steps, what we're about to talk about. In a nutshell, if you're trying to tell a horror story, there's certain beats and certain phases that you need to get through in order to really sell off the final payoff which is a monster if you were to just drop a monster in front of your party you've jumped straight to the very end and it's not going to have the buildup that it needs to really elicit some horror feelings and we do this by going through the phases which are established normalcy then we add unease dread terror
0: and horror And within those steps, we also like to build off of the three, basically, types of things that disturb us humans. You've got psychological horror, unnatural horror, and gross out.
1: So first, we need a basic premise, which, I don't know, I feel like this is pretty easy,
0: because every single mind flayer wants to eat brains. Right, and let's not overcomplicate this too much. So we've just got a community where people have gone missing. Mindflayer is eating their brains. Yeah. He needs brains. Now we start at
1: established normalcy. So for this, in order to sell the horror, we need to convince our players that everything is totally fine. We need something to compare and contrast to the horrors that they're about to face with the
0: loveliness of how the adventure started. Yeah. I mean, think of the beginning of any horror movie. Things are too good and you know it's coming and that's what starts your stomach a-churning. Exactly. So we've got a town with friendly folks. You've got healthy farms, livestock running around. Everyone's happy and chipper. Maybe a little too happy and chipper. Yeah. Maybe because some of the town is already thralls, there's kind of a unifying personality that they're all sharing Mm. a bit. Yeah. The adventurers walk into town
1: and they pet A lovely, friendly dog down the main street. Brings them a gift. Ooh, I like that. Follows them around for a little bit as they explore the town. Yeah. Licks their faces.
0: Gives them that real sense of warm fuzzies. Then we step into unease. So unease is just where you start to notice that something's wrong. And discovering what's going on in a community like this is a great opportunity for that. So if the Mind Flayer essentially has the entire community in some kind of thrall state, then, like you were saying, Travis, everybody's kind of walking around. They know that something's kind of off about themselves. It's almost like they're keeping a dirty secret at this point. Ooh, I like that. I would probably just toss in some random kind of
1: off-kilter phrases from some of the townspeople. You know, when they refer to themselves in the third person, or you see someone just eat with their hands in the tavern. You know, stuff that, God, that's weird.
0: Or evidence that they're all a little bit psychically linked. Like they're all using the same farmer's phrase. Yeah, like early
1: bird gets the worm. Yeah. And for some reason, the entire town gets up at the
0: same time. (laughs) Something like that. Or, you know, step up that innings a little bit by having people uncomfortable talking about anything weird going on. Like maybe there's a few missing people from town and nobody's addressing it. It's really obvious. Yeah, like you've got an empty home. Yeah, or you're trying to go shopping as you always do in D&D, but the general store is fully stocked, but nobody's there. Nobody owns it. Nobody in town will address that it's there. See, I love that because you tell
1: the adventurers, oh, yeah, this person has exactly what you're looking for. They're over in this home and they venture over, find out that it's empty, and then they come back to the person that sent them there saying nobody was there. Who wasn't there? (laughs) wait, what? Why did why have you forgotten? And like just those little gap outs. Yeah. Just odd behavior is what we want to lean into here.
0: Yeah. I like the idea of, of just coming up to somebody that is in the middle of whatever they're doing, shooing their horse or something. And then they just have one of those 15 second stares. Yeah. At nothing. And keep going like nothing happened. Oh, this is going to be so much fun as a DM <laughs> to just play erratic. Yeah. Just be weird. Then we step it up to Dread where... You know something's wrong now. The tension is building. Here is where we want to add a little bit more to
1: this. It's not just odd behavior. We need to understand that there is absolutely something wrong. It can be unmistakable. Things like if they are dealing with a blacksmith or a merchant, they can have a moment where they just snap out of it and scream at the characters to flee. Yeah. Throw out terrifying warnings and then simply snap back
0: yeah and there's no way for you to get them to tell you more yeah. They they don't remember it exactly i love that or if you really want to ramp up the horror right away they can do something drastic while they have that control of their minds like they jump into their forge or something
1: no <laughs>
0: sorry i'm so dark oh <laughs> i warned man, you man how are you the
1: th- sunniest one of the <laughs> two of us and you come up with shit like that What can I say? We're talking about Mind Flayers. Fine, I'll try and up the ante myself. (laughs) Something that happens in horror movies all the time is you need, and I'm sorry for the animal lovers out there, you need to have something happen to the dog that they pet in town. Who's the monster now? Yeah, Travis. It's Travis everyone. So what I'm thinking here is in order to build on that initial normalcy, with the dog in town, now the dog is mind-controlled and the happy, lovely pup that was licking their faces earlier that day now
0: is coming at them like a feral, wild animal. Right, that's unsettling. Yeah, because that kind of forces a bit of a moral choice there. You either become a monster yourself and kill the dog. I don't even like to say it. Or you find a way to subdue it at the very least. Yeah, and... This could also be where we
1: throw the party druid in there and utilize their abilities to really try to escalate the horror there too. If the druid tries to use any of their kind of speak with animals or anything like that, we can throw even more nonsense at them. Right. Yeah. They get a sense that something else is in that mind. They got a
0: glimpse of the mind flayer in there who spoke through the dog. Oh, shit. Well, that's true of anybody using, you know, the charm person spells or their own detect thoughts on people in the town. Yeah. Like you don't give them clear answers, but things are scrambled definitely but yeah i like that dog encounter though because you can have the townsfolk around reacting in weird ways as well some are completely oblivious maybe maybe one of the townsfolk could double down on the now
1: new narrative of this wonderful friendly dog and say oh yeah that feral wolf has been attacking the town (laughs) for weeks nice wait what yeah no that was
0: clearly a domesticated lab it's not a feral animal yeah In this dread stage, you also have to have the skittering of unseen intellect devourers. We talked about this a bit at the end of the last episode. But yeah, I just love the idea of those spider like beings just hanging out in the corners of establishments far enough away that the players couldn't
1: get to them in a single turn. Yeah, but they did see something skitter. Yeah, like this whole dread stage especially with the kind of mental fuckery that a mind flayer is capable of this feels like you as the dm are just trying to gaslight your players and make them think that they're a little bit crazy
0: <laughs> rough i think a good transition to take it to the next level of terror is using those intellect hours. In the last episode, we talked about them hijacking bodies rather than brains. Yeah. So they can take people back to the mind flayer. And I think that's the thing you show the party. Just a townsperson walking into the forest at night with nothing. That's weird. Oh, yes. That's upsetting. And Then if they catch them, then they just kind of snap out of it. They don't know where they were going. They don't know what's going on.
1: Sleepwalking.
0: Yeah. It was just sleepwalking. (laughs) I'm going to return to my home
1: now. Yep like a normal citizen do. So let's get into terror. This is where the bad thing feels like it's just around the corner. The mine flare could be around any corner from here on out. So the party has found the lair that's down
0: inside the abandoned mine in town or something like that. Yeah, they followed a thrall back and they're finally ready to dive in. Now keep in mind with this, to build the tension the best way, you have to take him to the edge of terror Like, oh, the Mind Flayer is definitely coming. There it is. And then, nope, it's not the Mind Flayer. Another fake out. Yeah. Think of one of
1: my favorite horror movies, The Descent. What I liked about the way that they did some of the horror in that film was we are used to the, uh uh-oh, is it the monster? Nope, fake out oh, it's the monster. Like that's the typical pattern. Yeah. And what the Descent did so well was they did three or four. Like you just were not ready. You were so emotionally exhausted from all of the potential jump scares that finally when the jump scare came, you just lost it. You soiled (laughs) yourself. Yep. As I do during every horror movie, soil myself on the couch. That's what that smell is. Sorry. So what are your ideas for when they get inside the lair?
0: So typically in Mindflayer layers, what I see is the thralls guarding the entrance. Yeah. Like you see in any monster's lair, essentially, guards posted at the entrance. Yep. But the luxury room is the first room that the party comes to and it's set up to mimic a very comfortable setting from the community they just came from and it's got some thralls in it but those thralls are using that charisma they're saying look at how lavish and comfortable we are things are so good here they love it yeah they love being thralls And they're sitting there trying to sell the party on the concept that they have a benefactor that takes away every danger, every bit of chaos and uncertainty from their lives. They give us a real purpose that we've never felt before. Well, this would be the soft sell from the Mind Flayer. Exactly.
1: They are trying to warm you up and see if there's any hope of doing this without really sticking it to you.
0: And it's leaning into that philosophy that we talked about where mind flayers see humanoids as dogs. Ah, yes. As like, hey, I've
1: provided you a wonderful habitrail and this great exercise wheel. You should have everything you ever need. You're simple
0: creatures. Just accept it. And the solution that they could offer in that moment is maybe something like a potion of sleep you know just drink it drink it and this life is going to be yours yeah that's unsettling then when the players escalate it or try to leave there's a fight of course but the most dreadful part of this is the strange responses these humanoids might have to pain no when you're attacking them i don't like this either no response which is bad enough yep maybe crying as they attack you or even being in a state of bliss ew
1: the crying upsets me like they are not in control anymore. They're just passengers uh, like the mind flare is using all of the mental energy to pilot their bodies as opposed to piloting their emotions. So now all of a sudden they're fully conscious,
0: but they're not able to use their bodies. Oh, uh, yeah. They're almost even at that point asking for it all to be over. Oh,
1: that's the worst. That's even worse. <laughs> they're begging for their pain to be ended. They don't want to be like this anymore as they try to stab you.
0: Yeah. Help them. Damn it. Help them, please. Oh, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, let's continue throughout the lair if you're still ready for more. Yeah. lay, uh, Lay your next one on me. So how about some psychological traps? Okay. I'm thinking you've got cells, if you will, where humanoids are being subjected to some bad stuff okay i'll let your mind explore those depths whatever you and your party is comfortable with yeah but the idea here is that the players can approach this scene and there's some kind of maybe rube goldberg style machine and there's a device that stops it that the players can kind of sort all this out but reaching in to stop it inflicts some kind of harm Uh on the character that's doing it you've invented saw Sure. I've the mind flayer <laughs> is doing saw. Mind flayer is doing saw. Gross. Yeah. Upsetting. And if the humanoid inside is already a thrall, then they immediately stop begging for you to help and just kind of give you a creepy stare. Nope. No, thanks.
1: Well, I'll try and join you with the gross out. All right. Jump on in. Now, if I am a security conscious mind flayer, mm-hmm. I don't want any rando group of adventurers just wandering in now. I guess this all depends on whether or not a mind flayer can see through the eyes and hear through the ears of their thralls. I lean towards yes, because that's better. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Well, based on that premise, then, could they have disembodied brains and eyes? You know, like the whole brainstem and all of that just kind of embedded into the walls as your security camera system. All right. Now that's, oh, I regret that. Now you're getting nasty. Throw them brains and eyes around the place. All right, fine. We'll double down. What about the rest? What do they do with the rest of the parts? What makes Mind Flayers true monsters and the reason that they can do stuff as horrible as what we're talking about is they are basically scientists without any morality. They don't see it as a necessity. They can do whatever the hell they want Like, this is the epitome of fuck around, find out. Yeah. Like, they can do whatever they want. So, just because it's maybe beautiful to them, or, uh, again, I'm thinking of that movie, The Cell, would they be able to have an entire circulatory system just suspended around a room, still working? Ugh. Because it's an interesting thing to look at and to study, and it's disgustingly beautiful ah it's just i can't even just, i can't
0: even get the words out it's it's gross i know right there's a guilt in making this entire episode isn't yeah there?
1: should we be putting this out <laughs> into the world
0: maybe not no but yeah that's visceral and disturbing and a trick that i would definitely throw at the party at least uh you know two dozen times maybe i'll lower that to three <laughs> all right <laughs> but i think it'd be fun is to have them cast levitate on other bodies that they've already been messing with yeah. and send them floating down a corridor because not only is that like a terrible thing to come across yes but from a distance anyone that's aware of what a mind flayer is this is especially good for those metagaming players that yeah. are like floating humanoid kill it now kill it now cast in all your the spells. shadows
1: yes yeah you get that sorcerer to cast their highest level fireball on the what they think is the mind flare floating down the hall yeah
0: exactly love it of course you could also throw in any kind of body parts you want floating around like they're just casting levitate on an arm and hucking it (laughs) (laughs) no this is for your playful mind flares (laughs) yeah well i mean think about that walking down a corridor and just having something float
1: past i don't want to that's awful yeah now let's get into horror this is the final stage this is where we really want to pay off all of this stuff that we've been building up to now at the horror stage the players have not yet seen the mind flare and now we enter horror this is when the players see it or are about to see it this is basically combat this is some crazy shit is going down
0: yeah yeah And I think with mind flayers, this is almost always going to be in their final chamber where they spend most of their time. They know this is coming. Yeah. I like the idea of some kind of a grand grotesque throne. I imagine it's going to be super high. They can levitate up to it anytime they want. Mm -hmm. And being higher removes any chance of thralls doing anything bad to them. Yeah.
1: Should they errantly forget? one thrall and all of a sudden it has control of its own motor functions for a moment
0: yeah i think the design of the throne kind of sprawls throughout the entire room i'm taking inspiration from alien for this for sure where it's like sprawling kind of tentacly design and the mind flayer maybe is just it's not like an actual chair thrown but it's more like a they're suspended in the wall and you can't even pick them out until they rise from it kind of thing
1: that's good i like that
0: yeah it would take
1: quite a perception check to spot where this thing calls its sleeping hole
0: <laughs> that's the old sleeping hole <laughs> i've got some smooth jams playing in there <laughs> This is where you twist the whole thing. It's a comedy now. That would be such a letdown. Do not do that. <laughs> and of course, their most intimate work is spread around this chamber. You know, whatever you want to throw in, humanoids in various states. This is where they can use some of those
1: abilities and those tactics like we talked about. Project image is going to be super helpful here as they finally, finally get close to the mind flare.
0: And whoops, it's a projected image. Yeah, like, as they come into this chamber, they're probably going to see the projected image, and as soon as things pop off, that's when the party finds out that the Mind is still hanging out in their wall hole. Love it. And during that conversation, Mind is going to be doing things, of course, like reading their thoughts, figuring out what the characters want and fear, and things that maybe they never want to do again. They're going to try and turn them against each other with those thoughts and feelings, and they're going to do everything possible to get their last bit of mind fuckery on the table. Love it. Yeah. And I think during the combat, they're going to have their last couple or few remaining thralls that are probably the beefiest ones, right? They've got to defend themselves against the physical threat. Yeah. So they keep
1: their champion thralls. Yeah. Next to them at all times.
0: And those champion thralls are probably going to be trying to strap valuable humanoids into pods or tables rather than just, you know, killing everyone wholesale oh totally because this is actually what's
1: so good about mind flayers is chances are they don't want you dead yeah they want to keep you they want to capture you which means that even as a truly horrific and awful dm your players still have a chance to survive this in fact they're more than likely to survive it so you can go and give them both barrels you can just beat them down because those players will come back from it. They will have another opportunity to escape from a pod or escape from shackles or something like that.
0: Or the worst case, wake up back in town. Oh, no. <laughs> As a thrall. Uh-oh, escape Thraldom. Now, let's say that the party has beaten this Mind flare. Yeah, so hopefully there's a victory of some sort. But you want to remember that cosmic horror stories rarely end in a true victory. Like, the threat or the danger is often greater after they win than before they've won. Totally. It just keeps opening up. We need the players to
1: feel there being something bigger, grander, even more evil. This is where the players finally stab that illithid through their weird torso and it bleeds out all over the place and the thing clearly dies but then there is something talking to them through the downed mind flayer (laughs) saying you shouldn't have done that or something that just
0: alludes to there being much more to this totally like what if the character that kills the mind flayer is visited briefly by the elder brain that that mind flayer was a part of Mm -mm. so maybe they see a vision or receive a mental message like that's enough. Oh, yeah. You could do a situation where some worms crawl out of the Mind Flayer's brain because maybe they just live in there and crawl into some eyeballs. Oh, so now you've got a follow up adventure. <laughs> <laughs> That's so gross. Or at least a haunted character that doesn't know what's going to happen to them someday down the road. Or I think this is also a great opportunity for that classic Lair Destruction ending where, you know, the whole place starts crumbling because the Mind flayer's rigged it all. Oh, yeah. I Like that. Some kind of dead man
1: switch to their own lair. Yeah. Well, did we do it? Um, Disturb ourselves and anybody listening greatly? Yeah, I think we did. Well, I'm quite proud of myself. I kept the vom down. Good. Where it's supposed to be. Yeah. So yeah, we made it through. And I kept my cheery disposition. (laughs) (laughs) Not for long because we still have Millie's Shop of Wonders where we're going to talk about some more magic items and weapons to be added to this adventure.
0: What magical trinket can't you discover among the shelves in Millie's Shop of Wonders? So when thinking about magic items to introduce into a mind flayer adventure, all I could think about was defense against mind flayers, because as a character, that's what I would want. Yeah. And I propose that we do kind of a a heroic version of these items, which is the classic D&D fantasy kind of thing. Like I need something to help me conquer this foe. Sure. Or the cosmic horror version of these things. Uh Uh-oh. Which comes with something bad Mm. and has the cosmic horror vibe to it. Like a cursed item, but Mm. with a cosmic horror bent. Yeah. Cool. So a straight up defensive tool. The heroic version of this is going to be a protective helmet of some sort. Okay. We're talking Magneto style. It's good. It looks good. It makes you look like a badass character. And you're the only one that's immune to psionic abilities. Exactly. Once the Mind Flayer knows about it, they're going to try to remove it with thralls and intellect devourers. Oh, yeah. You throw everything (laughs) you got at that helmet. Yeah, which will make a fun twist in the adventure. And then we've got the cosmic horror version of this, which I think you would get from some wild wizard that's been studying Mind Flayers for their entire life. And they've captured a couple of tadpoles to experiment with. And they've come up with something they call the Resistance Tadpole. Oh, no. So you slip this into your brain. Nope. (laughs) Yeah. And it lets you sense the presence of mind flayers barely tapping into their whole collective deal. Interesting.
1: I think I would throw the ability on top of that to be able to locate them within, say, like a 30 foot area. Okay. So this is going to function kind of like the motion detector from Alien
0: totally yeah maybe it's one of those you don't know exactly where it is but you know it's within 30 feet just to keep the horror up well that's what I'm thinking okay. is that it's
1: not necessarily when it's within 30 feet of you you know the general vicinity of the 30-foot area uh, okay somewhere within the slayer maybe it's up or it's left or it's I like I'm getting a general sense but not specifically where
0: yeah I like that gotta beef this one up a bit maybe it lets you make a wisdom save against every ability or spell they throw at you or if if it already has you make one, you make it with advantage. Nice. The downside being you can't get it out, and it allows them to tap into your mind to some degree too. Oh no. Yeah, why
1: not? So you're always getting just background mind flare static. Yeah,
0: for sure. The next item theme I'm thinking is being enthralled. So the heroic version of this is simply a ring that makes mind flayers perceive the wearer as being enthralled. It lets you hear their commands. Oh. And if you comply with them, You can continue your ruse.
1: Wow. Okay. So you're going to be making some performance checks.
0: Yeah. And maybe getting deep into the lair on your own or something like that. Yikes. Separating yourself. Bad choice. The Cosmic Horror version of this, I think, is a converted version of the Intellect Devourer that maybe it's from that same wild wizard. This lets you create a mental network with somebody that already is enthralled. So your whole party can kind of join hands, join minds, and lend their mental power to the enthralled. Hmm. And now if you've got a party member that becomes enthralled, if you give this item out as the DM, you can also enthrall a player so that now they're they're all needing to work together to keep that enthralled player from doing bad stuff. See, I like this because should
1: failure happen and should you not have enough minds to concentrate on this, say you've got a party of five, one's enthralled, you would need at least three people to be
0: doing this to stop that person from being completely dominated. Yeah, and you can role play this out a bit, I think like it's one of those you're using the things that connect them to their humanity like don't do this remember the yeah <laughs> the good times yeah you can throw a lot of
1: those rp details yeah is it too evil to say that doing this requires a concentration so that limits anybody from casting Ooh. other concentration spells meaning that for the moments that they do have to cast some of those spells they're down one of the mines so you're constantly playing a game of Can we keep enough concentration among all of the party to keep this person from attacking us?
0: Yeah, exactly. Or just going rogue,
1: running off. Well, I came up with one. (laughs) All right, let's have it. What about a tranquility collar? Sounds nice. Now, the idea here is basically just a large loop with like big, I don't know, you can throw some design aesthetic on there, some big spider like legs that sit there and glow and allow this collar to just quiet your mind blocking any psionic abilities or thoughts or even motor function all right Kind of like a Thrall Caller, except you wouldn't be able to do anything with it. It's just kind of like a mega tinfoil hat. <laughs> How about that? Sure. Now, this could be thrown over the neck of a Mind flare, and it could render the creature completely feeble-minded and docile. Okay. See, what I want is I want the players to make some dumb decisions in combat, thinking that if they can get up close and personal with this Mind flare, knowing that it has the the grapple ability, the eating brain ability yeah that their ability to close that gap i mean you've got your melee fighters knowing that this thing is weak so they're going to try and get to it but now you're giving them something to do other than hit it with an axe <laughs> now there's this whole other thing where they're trying to grapple each other and the mind flare and uh i just i love the chaos of throwing something like that in there that means that the combat is focused on more than just hitting stuff with sticks
0: yeah i like complicating that final showdown nice and i got one more for you then something to put in the mind flayer's hands uh-oh sorry it's like they need any more <laughs> i know that's definitely where my mind went too but i call this the confusion engine and i see it as a creature perhaps it's some kind of variant of the intellect of our perhaps it's something bigger like a mass of tentacles that's just writhing around because why not Gross. Yep. And this sucker goes into a community or an establishment and casts confusion on everybody around. So everyone's thrown into a state of chaos. They're attacking each other. They don't know what's up. Like the confusion spell does that. It essentially dives into their mind and shows it those eldritch horrors beyond understanding. And as all this chaos is ensuing, and invisible, because what they can't drink a potion or read a scroll, mind flare wanders in and starts sucking down brains. They do this when they I just need some food just a buffet of people
1: yeah well you wouldn't even have to necessarily cast invisibility if this weird confusion engine can also just cloud your mind and render that person invisible to just the perceptions of the others Yes.
0: And this is something that I think would be great to throw at a party that's just, you know, if you want to take things to 11 and you don't want this to be a whole long mind flare adventure, just do this to them while they're having a drink, figuring stuff out at the tavern. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> what? But
1: I think that's enough for us. I think we've grossed ourselves out. I think we've grossed you out plenty. At least I hope so. If not, you have quite a well of stamina and durability to withstand this mental onslaught of horrifying ideas. But we must be doing something right because we got another review from a listener on Apple Podcasts. This one comes from Q Spufflin. Sure. You gave it your best try. Q Spufflin. It's got to be close. So I'll I'll keep trying. The review is Nat 20 on creativity check. Five stars. I'm about a dozen shows in and the ideas keep coming. Lots of great thoughts and new flavor. I'm looking at you, Source of Force episode. I've listened to a few podcasts on DMing, and this one is the real deal. Highly recommended it for seasoned game masters or if you're a new player. Thank you very much. That is wonderful to hear. It
0: definitely helps us keep going through these weird and uh, horrific episodes. And we also very much appreciate all of our patrons. Keep in mind, this dark stuff is your fault for supporting (laughs) us. Felix R. Chris F. I see spiders where there are none. The Senate. Lucas D. Lila G. The GM Tim. Nevermore. Thomas W. Tyler G. Ty
1: N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldross. Leprechaun. And Will HP, thank you all so much for helping us create this episode. You can also give thanks to Tabletop Audio for all of the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit. And you can also join us in our awesome community on Discord with like-minded players and DMs and bi-weekly hangouts. We jump on Discord and do some fun little hangouts. So come join us there. Thanks Thanks for listening listening and keep your brain safely
0: in your skull. Where it belongs. A good tip for everyday life.